Hello and welcome to the Winners Never Quit podcast about mental resilience, learning from hardship, all to build a winner's mindset. Hosted by myself, Jack Jarvis, and if you could like, follow and subscribe to the podcast, I would really, really appreciate it. Today, I am joined by OJ Edaburan. He is a British sprint athlete who competes in both 100 meters and 200 meter sprints. He has represented Team GB around the world from the USA to Prague, where he ran a career best in the 100 meters of 10 seconds, 0.04. He's won multiple medals at youth level. He was a British champion in 2019. And in August, he added a Commonwealth gold to his collection, coming first for England in the four times 100 meter sprint. And he joins me now. Hi, mate. How's it going? Yes, I'm good, man. Good to mate, see you. Good to meet you. Really appreciate you coming on the pod. Um, and we start every pod the same. How do you define winning in your life? Um, I think winning in my life is making sure I'm in a better position than where my parents were. I think when they first came to this country. I think that's a bigger thing, kind of showing progression of generations. So that might that might look like sport right now, but it could be something else in the next few years. But I think it's just about creating a platform for the generation to come after me in my family lineage, and I, I, I can contribute towards that in a good way. Yeah, no, I like that answer because unfortunately one day sprint it is going to come to me. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I give myself about six years and I'm done. <laughs> like, to be oh, mate. Um, so you talked about your parents there. Let's run it way back. Tell mm-hmm. us about childhood, mate. Childhood, grew up in North London, Edmonton to be precise. Um, pretty much, do you know what? It was it was a decent childhood. You know, I had to, I had to learn quick. I had to be street smart, naturally. Where I was growing up, um, great friends, great demographic. You know, like sports was a big thing. Sort of growing up as well. Like did all sports, which was good. Football, running, basketball, even netball. Sometimes like, I'd do everything I could. I was really on sports. Um, really trust family, me, yeah, yeah. Really trust yeah. family unit, um, and yeah, I think it was okay initially. Initially, yeah, it was not too bad. Okay, so what what made you decide netball's not for me? <laughs> well, mainly because it's a girl sport, yeah. so <laughs> I don't think I could. But you know what? I liked like the precision, discipline, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I was so fidgety, I always wanted to run with the ball. So I, to be honest, I'd probably foul out a lot anyway. <laughs> um, but then when I got a bit older, it kind of moved over to basketball. Yeah which was good for a bit. And then I wasn't tall enough. Um, so I remember we had like, I think it was like trials of England actually for like the under 12s, 11s, whatever it would have been. And I was, I was decent, but height was a big thing. So I didn't end up being able to progress on. So it just ended up chasing football as you do. Got to year nine. I was like, yeah, yeah you know, I'm kind of shit at this. So. <laughs> Not shit, but it wasn't good enough. Mate, to don't sort worry, I've got on. two left hands, mate. Yeah, feet, mate, I'm awful. That's always the dream, right? You want to be a footballer. And then when that didn't work, um, running was just still the sport that was really natural to me. And everyone's kind of like, look, you're really fast. And I just, yeah, went down to the track and then the rest is history. Before we move on to that, mm-hmm. right? I don't want anyone to get it twisted. OJ isn't like five foot five, all right? He's quite <laughs> tall. When I see him, I was like, God, he looks taller than he does on Instagram. Yeah, no, I, d- I do look quite short on Instagram, to be fair. But in person, yeah, 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 yeah. a bit tall, mate. Uh, mate, as long as you're over six foot, do you know what I mean? Who yeah, cares? it's not bad. I think I'm like scraping six two. I'm having a fight with six two right now. I'm yeah. trying to get there. Yeah, no. I think I'm done growing, to be fair, at the same time. But I don't know. By the way, it doesn't matter if you're under six foot, okay? We, I love everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you said running. Mm-hmm. What was it just because football wasn't sort of progressing how you would have liked? And mm-hmm. like you said, you were fast. What drew you to athletics and and sprinting? 
Um, I think obviously initially it was kind of just like a consolation prize. If I'm honest, like okay, well I can't do football, but I still wanted to keep up with my friends who were kicking on to the next level. And I was like, I wanted something of my own. Like okay, well I'm doing this, and um, yeah, it was easy for me. Like it wasn't really hard to do. So when I got into it, like I think the first session I went down to the track, I remember doing a session in um, Air Forces, which is madness. <laughs> you can't do a session in Air Forces. And um, obviously when I got there, I saw like Vo was a group of individuals. There was still like a community, like same demographic people that looked like me. And I was like, you know what? Like, I like this. And I just fell in love with trying to, you know, learn a sport as quick as I could. And I think that probably contributed towards me making progression um, so early on in my career, to be honest. You touched on there, you said people that a demographic that you liked, mm -hmm. they looked like you. How important is that? Because you touched on it as well, yeah. next generation. How do you think it has? How important do you think it is to have role models that people can, young lads, young lasses can relate mm -hmm. to? Really, really important. Um, it's something that I feel like I'm, uh, the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing what I didn't have. And I'm like keen on trying to replace that as I get older. So I feel like, yeah, like, like my friendship group is literally like the most multicultural group. Like this. I've got Asian friends, I've got Turkish friends, white friends, black friends, African friends, whatever. And like that's kind of rare to be fair, like where I'm from, like kind of people kind of stick with their own. But like my batch was just like, we were just, those kind of guys were just always yeah, yeah, together, yeah. like literally still friends with everyone till today. And um, that was great. But when I got to the athletics environment, I don't know, there was something about it where like I just didn't, there was no bit of me that felt like I needed to be anything or dumb down anything. It was just, people just got it, come from the same similar homes or things that you might've been embarrassed about, the other person could relate. And it was just really, I think that contributed towards my love for it. And when I left school, um, I remember what used to what used to hit me and still hits me now is kind of like when I see teachers that I used to that used to teach me like they'll see me doing well and they're like so happy like I'm always gonna be critical of myself they're like they were so proud of you where you're coming from and I looked at it and I was like you know what there was no one when I was in school that came from my school my side of town apart from a musician or a gangster or whatever where everyone was like you know what he's done it this way she's done it this way I want to be like that person and um. I think for me, it's, it's it, the pandemic taught me I had to rethink my goals in the sport. And I was kind of like, you know what? If I was to stop today, what have I given out there? And for me, I'm like, you know what? I know I've touched someone. Even if I haven't spoken to them directly, someone that's gone to my school, comes from the same area as me, has seen me carving out, ca ca sorry, carving, uh, <laughs> carving. <laughs> carving out a lane <laughs> for myself. And they're like, all right. You don't know, I want to do it. I never actually had that. I actually was really just driven on my own, but or just driven to do the wrong thing. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe they may not tell me personally, but if if I've touched them, oh, I'm happy with that. I actually am. You want to leave something behind because unfortunately we're not going to be here forever. No one. Your early athletics career, right? You've told told about running an Air Maxes, mate. <laughs> who who stuck out for you then? You you know your first coach and wh mm -hmm. what did they teach you about the sport? You, first, I feel you're yeah. underplaying it, mate. You're not just fast, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm quite fast. Yeah, you're very fast, mate. <laughs> Do you know what? This sport, you, your sport in general, you can't big yourself up too much because it, it can play against you. But sometimes you're not present. So I've been really trying to be present recently. So yeah, yeah sometimes I have to say, yeah, I'm, I'm fast. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit fast. But anyway, um, first coach was Eddie Stevens. Love that guy to this day. Um, and he just taught me about just like, just... Do you know what speed to yeah. be honest like because some coaches will come on like the fitness vibe like you got to get your miles in you got to get that fitness up blah 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 like work hard obviously he what he wanted us to work hard but his training program was like a lot around like speed speed like just doing the fast doing the good stuff the fast stuff 
And um, I think that's kind of where my bias leans towards even till today. Like those sessions are easier for me and the long runs are always a bit harder. But um, yeah, he just kind of taught me about that grit, kind of believing in yourself and, um, you know, not taking no for an answer. And I think his approach, like he was kind of really like cockney geezer kind of <laughs> kind of energy, but that kind yeah. of like rubbed off on me. Like, yeah, just go for it. And I think honestly, it did contribute towards me making the big leap. Like I was, I was cutting down like half a second, which is like crazy yeah, improvement. A lot. And um, I was, I was getting that improvement so much, so quickly, but because I think those guys, um, Eddie and Kenny, can't forget Kenny as well. Not this Kenny, yeah, yeah. Not this Kenny, but I actually had a, one of my first coaches was Kenny. And again, he was always like, believe in yourself, OJ, you yeah. can do it. Like that, that stuff still sticks with me because it helped me um, build the confidence in myself, to be yeah. honest. By the way, if sprinting doesn't work out, man. That's a great Cockney accent, mate. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The acting a little career. voiceover for ITV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get paid well, you know. Yeah, Kenny's like that, taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you were, uh, you know, you're running North mm. London. Mm. When did you realise and when was the sort of transition when you started getting picked up by the England squad, okay, GB yeah. sprinting squad? And how did that come about? Um, so obviously there's age groups yep. in the sport like most sports. Um, so for me, the first introduction was um, representing Great Britain at the Loughborough International, yep. which is kind of like a, it's like a, inter-country kind of meet. So it would be like Scotland, Wales, England, Team GB, and then like in invitationals like the senior athletes. And I got picked to represent the under-20s at 16. So it was like, I was like two steps ahead of myself. Uh, obviously I got my ass kicked by the seniors, but it was more just, more so just that I was there. Yeah, sorry, how old were you then? 16 at 16, that time. Yep. And then um, I got selected for the World Youth Championships in Ukraine. So that was my first like international vest. Uh, went there, ranked out of the top 20 in the world and then left joint fastest teenager in the world. So that was a bit crazy in itself, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but that was that was the first time where I was like, because there's a little story, it's a small story behind that. Um, obviously, I was training, like we trained club nights, it would be like Thursdays, and sorry, Tuesdays and Thursdays, late, finishing at like 10 p.m. It's dangerous when we're going home. But we're all together, so we we're kind of safe, but still not safe. So, and this is at... This is at the club nights. This is the club, when was, yeah, yeah. When I was ready and Kenny. So, um... Um, my GCSEs, like I'm, I think I'm a smart guy, but like my GCSEs weren't as good. But and I know it was because I'm not good at multitasking. Like I, I I'm all in on one thing at a time. And obviously, I was really pas getting passionate about track, but I wasn't good in the grand scheme of things. And then my, when my GCSE results came out, I had a few A's, B's, C's, and a few D's as well. And um, I got into college, which joined was, the club, mate. Yeah. no dramas. Like <laughs> I that. got into college, which was good. But my dad was like, you know, especially like African parents, they're like big on the education because you know when they're coming over here they're not coming over here for you to just they think you're mess if you want to do something creative you're messing about and it's like <laughs> they don't see i guess now it's a different age now but at that time that wasn't really like clear outlets so it was like well do your education i want you to be a lawyer i want you to be an accountant or a doctor that's what you've got to do because i've struggled over here and you need to have a good job so when i didn't get the good gcs all like look this running stuff it's, it's a load of crap like it's, it's making your grades lower so i had to beg him we made a bet i was like look give me one year let me go to this college, Oakland's College in St. Albans, where I could train, live on campus, and do my A-levels. And he was like, I'm giving you one year. If I don't see something that makes me say you should carry on doing this, you're quitting. I said, cool, give me a year. Nice. And I became the fastest teenager in, in the world. So yeah. I think that shut him up. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what, was, what was that moment like when you when you won that and you went back to your dad? Was he, um, was he happy? He was happy, but he, he's, he was a bit prideful at the same time. So he didn't want to, like, fully let me know yeah, that yeah. okay you really proved me wrong um so he was like yeah that's good that's good 
you know, but you need to do more. Yeah, yeah. And then it became like another thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, you need to be the best. If you're going to do this, well, you need to be the best or else there's no point. Yeah. And he's, he told me that even last season, if you're not going to be the best, mate, this is a waste of time because you could be doing X, Y, Z. So he's always, he's a, he's a, he's a, me and him are good friends now. And it's like, he's a realist. He's a realist. As much as he's an optimist and he'll encourage me, he installed that reality into me. Like, if you're not going to be the best at something, like you could, you, you literally could go do something else and you would flourish at that. So if you're going to do this, put your all in it. So, yeah, he, he gave me my props, but they were short-lived. It was on to the next. Like, okay, yeah. well, you need to be X, Y, Z next year. Yeah, don't so. worry. I think that's just dads. I think that's just, yeah, right? just dads. Like. I reckon I'll probably be like that. Yeah, oh, mate. Kids, yeah, so. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's interesting you say you have that bet with um, with your old man. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you listen to the High Performance Podcast. Yeah, I actually do. You listen to the one with AJ Tracy? Um, I started it. I didn't finish it. Only reason why I didn't was because... I couldn't relate to him because he's obviously he's a he's a musician. Yeah. And I, was, I feel like the, the parallels are yeah, weren't yeah, really yeah. the same, but it was it was a decent episode. Good, yeah. I saw, yeah. But he's he had a similar bet, and me and Kenny were talking about it with his mum. Oh, you know, saying like oh, I'll support you, mm-hmm. but you got to make you gotta it. Do it. Yeah, yeah. you got to make it. So Standard. you're the fastest teenager in the world. Mm-hmm. Talk us through that that youth period because you were quite you were very successful, mate. Yeah. Gold at the Euros. Um, so yeah, talk us through that, mate, and those those experiences. Yeah, obviously it was a great time. Like I was the man. Do you know what I mean? I was like. That, that everyone wants to be around me. I'm like the new kid on the block. Some guys liked it, some guys didn't. Yeah, I was quite. Did the girls like it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a different. Ne- that was yeah, a different next moment. question. That yeah, was yeah. that was a different moment in time. But um, yeah, you know, it was it was good. I was on the up. I was obviously confident, arrogant, whatever stuff you are when you're young and doing and getting success easily. Um, so yeah, I won the European Juniors. Um, like my f- yeah, won the European Juniors, which was good. Got signed my first deal of Adidas, making money now. Like, mum and dad were giving me, like, pocket money before. And then now I'm like, yeah, I can do my own thing. I can give you guys money if I wanted. Like, it, it, it felt good. Um, year after that, I got to the Olympics. First year out of juniors, which is kind of unheard of. Um, and I'm right there scrapping with the seniors, like, straight away. Uh, win the under-23. So, I, everything's, like, up and up and up. But I think the issue I had with myself was... Um, internally, I put a lot on myself. Like, I wanted to be Usain Bolt, like, ASAP. Because I was showing potential, like, well, if, if I can run a 10-1 at 18, I'll, when I'm 25, I'm going to flip and run 9-5. I just thought it was that simple. Yeah. But it's not, because I'm 25 now and I haven't done that. Um, but, yeah, it put, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I didn't ever pat myself on the back for the progression I was making, because I was still doing really well. Like, some guys like, still ain't even done what I've done yeah. um, all, all now, and that was almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then externally as well, people around me were like, you know, blowing smoke up my ass if I'm honest. I don't blame them. Yeah. I don't want to blame people, but it contributed. Like everyone's yeah, telling yeah. me that like, you're the shit. Yeah, man, give it a year or two, sub 10, this, that, 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 that. So I, my head was just in the clouds and I never really got out of the clouds until um, I think 2017. Like I, I, I'd missed out on the world champs, which is the home world champs, right? This is like London 2012 part two. So it's yeah, massive, yeah. right? I didn't make the team. I came fourth and like, I imploded so badly because it was the first time I tried to go for something and didn't get it. And I just lost all my confidence. I was like, oh, I'm shit. And then the 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 sort of like, the come down of that and then saying, okay, where am I at now? Where do I want to go? I think that's when I started to sort of be a bit more kinder to myself, be a bit more patient with myself. And then I think that helped me um, win my first British title the yeah. year after. So yeah, that's kind of what the journey was like, to be honest. Is that the biggest hardship in your that you've you've had in your career, mm-hmm. I've had a few, man. You have a lot in this in this yeah. game. Um, do you know what I think the biggest hardship was? Probably, probably this period just gone, um, twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. So, 
you know, yeah, coming off the back of 2019, I've literally, like, had this season of my life in the sense yeah. of I've gone to the European... Every goal I put, I literally got, apart from breaking 10 seconds, the only guy I didn't get. Yeah. Um, so I went to the European Indoor Champs, made the final. Um, I won the British title in a, in a year that was really, really hot. Um, got to the World Championships, made the semi-final. Like, the next step is a final, right? Yeah. And I'm, like, there with the best in the world, like, racing uh, Johan Blake, Justin Gatlin. Like, I'm really yeah, out yeah. there. And so I'm looking at the Olympic here, like this is perfect timing. I'm going to be on the money come Tokyo. And then the pandemic came and it came at the wrong time from a mental and physical perspective. Because I felt like I was trying, I was starting to approach, not the peak of my powers, but I, I knew I was going to do something good in 2020. And um, so that stopped. And then after that, um, I think my mental health just kind of just took a crash as well, to be honest, like, like most people did in that period of time. And then I just didn't really... Repa like everything kind of just unfolds and I didn't really get a chance to repackage it you know to get back on being an elite athlete let's go we've got the Olympics now it's next year and then got a knee injury and then I missed the Olympics so it was yeah it was a really really bad period it was a really bad period of time like I'd never run that slow since I was even 16 17 years old and then I'm like 25 meant to be this like athlete who's experienced yeah, the guy, yeah. and I'm running like sh like literally dog shit and it was embarrassing like having to it was just embarrassing. Yeah, it was just embarrassing to be honest. Like I can laugh at it now because I've obviously been in a better place, but it was tough. Remember, like you're you're not thinking the Olympic is meant to be like this, and um, yeah, man, it it really rocked me. So I think that was probably the hardest period of my career. I've man, had. I always think this about like athletes that compete in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Season Premier League season comes around every year. Yeah. If you have an absolute stinker, even if you have a stinker in a World Cup, go again next week. You know, you go again. Mm. You know, in the in the autumn, like yeah, that's yeah. you till Paris. You know, yeah, exactly. So what? What brought you out of that? How you know? How was your mindset? And what brought you back? Um, I had to like, it wasn't a natural process because if I had if if I left it naturally, I probably still would be upset now. Um, I think I had to force myself out of it. Um, I went to America. I just said, you know, I need, I need to get up out of here, change my environment, and um, just get get uncomfortable and just really, really get a bit nitty gritty with it. Like, yeah. okay, I'm not taking no for an answer. I know how good I am. I know what I can bring to this sport. I'm gonna do it, okay, but I don't give a shit, kind of thing. And I just kind of just went into autopilot. I became a bit robotic. I had to, I think. I don't think it was healthy, but I think I had to, just to like get back on it. Cause the, you know, the world's not gonna wait for you, kind of thing. And I think that helped, um, that did help. And then it kind of caught up with me a little bit in the summer, but I just had to just go into autopilot and just say, listen, I'm not taking over for an answer. I'm very stubborn when it comes to things I want in life. Yeah. And I'm just like, nah, I can't have this. Yeah. When you say you went, were you going out to America to train? Like yeah, I moved out to America to train. I'm so who, Atlanta. who were you training under? Um, Altis, I was with Stu McMillan. Um, he's quite renowned in um, coach education space, bobsleigh track. Like he's, they're really good at what they do. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good time. I definitely um, started to love the sport again, which is important. Um, it was good to experience America in general. Like it was just a, a whole different, like seeing how they did yeah. it. You know, they're, they're the best in the world right now seeing their culture, their mentality, they have nothing. And like there's some guys that are as fast as me, they, they, they've got to work a nine to five because they can't get a contract. So like, it's really cutthroat over there. And it made me a bit more grateful for my circumstances and how I've come up in the sport, but also made me realize, look, if you want to be at that top, top, top end, like you need to be a bit of a dog about it at times. Having this a balance. Cause I'm not, I don't think I'm like that yeah. naturally as a person, but it's understanding the beast you're up against. Like this, look, only eight guys are going to share the pleasure of being a finalist. And there's, there's, forget the world. There's billions of millions of people in the UK, yeah. let alone the world. And I'm, who am I yeah. to be in that eight? I've got to go and take it. It's yeah. not just going to get given to me. And it kind of reignited that fire. 
So um, that helped. That did help, to be honest. So I think, yeah, I just had to just change my environment and just get after it. And then you come back, yeah. start this year. So talk us through this year, because you've had a pretty good year, mate, if I, if <laughs> I say so. From the outside yeah. looking in. So and this is another thing I think I need to get better at, because I still just nitpick about what didn't go well, which isn't good. Um, but it was a good year. Like I said, the year before, I could only run 10-4. Um, I didn't get out of the semifinals at the at the um, Olympic trials. Didn't go to the Olympics. Wasn't even ranked in the top. 20 in the country yeah. like really really shit so this year I ran 10.07 which was my second quickest time ever and I was back up against the top, the fastest in the country fastest in Europe um, made the made the two individuals which is the 100 meters at the Commonwealth Games 100 meters at the European Chance which was good um, and then yeah got a gold at the Commonwealth Games which was which was good it was it was it was, well, it was my first senior medal you know what I mean yeah and um I think sometimes when you're chasing your tail, you forget, oh, actually, I actually haven't done that before. But again, if I'm in the mindset of, I need to be here, I need to be here, I need to be here, you know, a bit of me might have just like disregarded it. Like, oh, it's come off medal. But it's like, no, that's your first senior medal. At a home games, I ran an anchor leg and I wasn't even picked for the competition five days before. I was a late replacement. So when things like that happen, it doesn't matter where I want to be. I'm like, you know what? Just soak it up because... That was a special moment. And that's something that when I've got a family of my own, that's going to be replayed for years to come. And I was a big part of that. So that was a that was a real good silver lining for me to make me realise, you know what, the pain and suffering that I had to endure on my own um, in 2020, sort of right the way through to 2022, it felt like it was worth it. It didn't feel like it was a waste of time. Yeah. And it gave me the engine to say, okay, I, I know I want more, but like it's not a, it's not a toxic motivation. It's like actually... No, that was encouraging. Like, you can do it. I want more moments like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just yeah, more yeah. fun, you know? I want more moments like that. And that's yeah. kind of, um, I guess, yeah, just created the mindset sort of going into this year, really. OJ, mate, like, I'm just sat here, this mere mortal, <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, mate, that's a big thing. And I always think, yeah. you know, running as a as a relay team, mm-hmm. right? And this is just how I think as yeah. a guy that probably runs a 20, 2004, <laughs> right? You've nah, not you'd get under 20. Yeah, no, nah, I probably wouldn't, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, not only have you won it for yourself, mm-hmm. but you've won it for three other geezers. Yeah, man. Or three other girls. Mm-hmm. Like, so big. to me, it's, it's, it's massive, It mate. is big. Yeah, it's and huge. it's a different feeling. Like, you don't get moments to feel like a team. It could be very, very lonely out there. And um, I hadn't done a relay for like five years. Like, I'd, anyway, I won't get into that, but I hadn't done it for five years. And um, to come back into it and just sort of, it was just a different dynamic. Like, a different type of pressure, but a fun pressure. The crowd. Not on the, yeah, it was good. I'm yeah. not. Gonna, I'm not even gonna like sugarcoat. It was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed myself. Another thing I do want to speak about the relay, right? Mm-hmm. So you go from a very individual sport mm-hmm. to that team. You said you were a five day replacement, right? Mm. And I get anxiety, and I don't know about you. When I watch a relay, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. please, do imagine, not. imagine waiting for the band. Mate, to go. oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so, crazy. Yeah, so talk about that because it gives me anxiety. I'm not even involved. I'm just sat on my sofa, mate. So, oh, man, it's like. You've practiced and everything's gone for well. For five days, do you yeah. know what I mean? Let's but have like, it you right. Don't, you hope it's going to go well, but you, you actually don't know. Anything can happen. Like I've seen people fall over, pull their hamstring, like like do something they've never done before in the race. So you, you, you can never get too comfortable like, yeah, we'll, we'll win. You want to win, but you don't know. So for me, it's kind of like, I'm on the last leg. I'm kind of like doing emergency checks at each point. So the first leg goes, I think, okay, cool. The second leg to the first leg, oh. 
okay, all right, he's got it. And then I'm like, oh shit, okay, it's me next. I'm up next, I'm up next, I'm up next. I'm upside down. <laughs> I'm upside down looking at him backwards. So I can't really see properly. I've got all these other guys breathing like, like oh, they're all ready to run away from me. So I want to keep up with them, but I've got to wait for the baton before I start racing them. And, you know, when, but then, do you know what the craziest thing is? You have all that anxiety and worry. And then in the most critical part of the exchange, that is when I actually felt the most calm because I was in control of something. And I was like, okay, put your hand out, he'll get it. And as soon as I got that in my hand, the freedom that came after, I think it just played out in my running. Like I was just free bouncing down the track. I just thought, just keep your technique, keep your technique, keep your technique. And then I got to like maybe five, 10 meters out and I thought, I'm gonna come off champion. Before I even crossed, I was like, fuck, I'm gonna come off champion. Got a gold medal. Ah, <laughs> and then it was just a roar. And then after that, to be honest with you, I can't even tell you what happened after that. It was just a party in the stadium. It was yeah. nuts. So um, you get it. It's, it's very, it's a very emotional race. Every every race is emotional, but the relay has a different type of emotions for sure. Yeah, mate. No, I said thank you for coming here, mate, and joining me. But thank you for winning that for England, mate. Nah, no worries, proud man. English, mate. Yeah, proud no English, worries. Proud it, felt good. it felt good. It felt good. What motivates you to keep going? What's your big motivation at the mm. moment? It changes, man. It changes because. You know, what used to motivate me when I was 16 was like, I want to be the fastest man in the world. I want to be the world record holder. And that used to motivate me for a few years. And then I, I, I haven't got the world record, have I? Yeah. So, you know. Mate, there's still time, do you know what I mean? There is still time. But you know what? I'm Again, I'm a realist in it. So yeah. do I think I can run 9.5? I don't know, man. I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't think so. Actually, it sounds negative to say, but I, I don't know, man. I'm 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 fifty fifty with this stuff. Like like I'm an optimist, yes, I wanna get the best out of myself. I'm not gonna put this huge rock of pressure like if I don't do this, I'm a failure. So I think what motivates me right now is um honestly it's 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 two things. It's trying to achieve my full potential, which is doesn't have a full stop to that. So that's exciting to wake up and try to find out what that is. And um I think Secondly, it's about using this gift I've been given to create a better life for myself when I'm done with the sport. And that kind of links back to family and, you know, them migrating over here in the 90s and all the things they had to deal with um, bringing me up. You know, I feel like if this gift that's been given to me in the sense of I get to run for the country, I get to travel the world, run in front of loads of people. Um, not everyone just falls on their their passion like that. So if I waste it, not only am I wasting my own talents, I feel like I'm I'm almost not doing I'm doing almost doing a disservice to like the work my parents had to put in to like put me in this position. And to be honest with you, it's not even a thing of owning your parents. It's just more like understanding like no, everything has that. to I evolve. So if I don't evolve what they've done, I, to me it's a failure. And yeah. It's not pressure, but it's just it's just a motivation right now. Man, that's a lovely answer because I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I thought you'd be like, yeah, what motivates me is Paris. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? But no, it's really no. Nice. It's the, it, like has to, it has to be internal. Yeah. Because I don't know what's gonna happen in Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I hope I'm alive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's not. I don't want to be morbid, but you don't know what the tomorrow looks like. So I can't just create this motivation about something I I, I don't I haven't seen yet, and I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. It has to be things that I can control and feel every day. And, uh, and working towards that event as opposed to, you know, because the event's going to, regardless of what happens, the Olympics are going to happen whether I'm ready or not. So that can't be, it can't just be that. It's too it's too vague and too boring. Did you learn that? You know, we spoke about a hard, that mm-hmm. hardship in your Tokyo, career. Yeah, I learned that in Tokyo, man. Yeah. Like, I was so on there. Tokyo's going to be my competition. I'm going to do this and that. And then I went there. Yeah. And literally, I remember being, I remember recording it because I was like, I need to document this stuff. Like, 
I remember waking up in my room and I'm recording the Olympic final that I thought I had a chance to be in. And then I'm like, well, you're in East London, mate. You're not there. You're not in Tokyo. Yeah. And it, like, life just happens. Yeah, yeah. And the reality of life for me right now is like, it's your responsibility to get ready for things and to prepare yourself and put yourself in the best position, hence why I'm training every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the event is fixed. It will come. Whoever's ready will succeed. Whoever doesn't will fail. And, the ne- and then we'll say on to the next because yeah. I'm talking about world champs now. I'm not talking about Paris anymore. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tokyo. So that's just, that's just the way the world works. Yeah. I can't get so emotionally attached to events. I just don't know if it's a healthy way to live life. Right no, now. no, 100%, mate. Yeah. We only this interview now, mm-hmm. but it feels like you learned that from you know Tokyo yeah. and those lessons. But 100%. No, mate. So you're saying this year, so what's the goals coming up for the next? Mm-hmm. How does the season work? How do okay. your training cycles work? Yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you a basis of that. So, um, oh, the only thing I did see on your Instagram that made me laugh yeah. uh, that TikTok, you and your girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mate, the yeah. first drink of... Uh, the off-season. Yeah, off-season, mate. You, you don't get a lot of time to drink. Yeah, so no, I'm going to imagine, mate. you got to have that discipline, though, mate. But I am paying great. for it now because, yeah, um, I suffered this first week back. I was really bad. Really, really bad. First week training back there? Um, so this is my second week now. Okay. Last week was tough. Oh, my God. I was going to have a heart attack. Like, it was bad. <laughs> it was a reality check. Yeah. Like, listen, mate, you're back in it. And yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Mate, do not worry, mate. So I ran an ultra marathon last... Jesus. A couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um... And I've just got back in the gym, mate. And I went so 120. Mm. Bear in mind, I've, I've squatted a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. I put it, put it on two reps, and I said, "No, I don't want this smoke, yeah, yeah, mate." Yeah. Just <laughs> racked it straight away. <laughs> Text my coach. I was like, "Right, we need we need to get a plan together." Because yeah, it's not easy you when, know. when you the thing is so annoying about life. I think it's like it takes so much work to master something to be prepared, oh, and yeah. literally a, a tenth of that time to just lose it. Yeah, like I can be training a whole year, take two weeks off, and I've lost all the work. Especially if it's physical. Yeah, you know I mean? especially like, if it's physical. It's really you're in your game, mate. Like, I'm like, why can't it just stay for at least a month? Yeah. Like, <laughs> two weeks, bam, done. Yeah. So anyway, I, I took the break because mentally I needed it. So that was more no, important. No, 100%. But um, yeah, had I had a year works. Is, um, obviously, it's so from October, January from October to January. Yeah. It's like hard conditioning, preparation, long runs, lifting heavy, as heavy as you can, running as far as you can, condition yourself, getting yourself ready for Per, fit for purpose and I think once you get into sort of December moving into January you start to do a little bit of a speed work um, January to end of February is the indoor season so that's when you only run the 60 okay yeah. Um, because it's too I guess the meaning behind it is because it's too cold to do the summer events Um, if you it's not optimal to do athletics in like less than 10 degrees 5 degrees it's yeah silly. I can imagine mate so we do indoor season and then you could have like your you have like your circuit races your diamond league equivalent races um, national champs for the yeah. 60 and then um, like the European or the world champs and, and so on and so forth so we'll have that so this year coming up obviously we have all the tours and then there'll be the British champs some point in February and then the European champs in Turkey which will be uh, first week in March after that period you go back into some hard training again. You can either stay in the UK or you can go to warm weather training, which is what a lot of people do to get in the sun because you're getting ready to prepare for the summer. Yeah. So you might. So then that'll be like March to let's say end of April, that period of time. Then you may get some races in America, preseason races, or you can just be training through it and you start your season in May. Depends on what the strategy is. And then the season will officially start in May, outdoor season. Yeah. Right the way through to September. Again, you've got your Diamond Leagues, your World Tours, domestic competitions. Nationals is always in June, uh, towards the end of June. That is the competition that basically decides if you're going to go to championships or not. For us, you need to be re- placing in the top two in your event to secure automatic selection. 
and there's like there's like eight of us that are good. So it's it's a it's a real it's a real fight. Um, it's a real fight. And after that, you go to the main championships. Um, that could be World Olympic, European, Commonwealth. Do that. You, what you do is what you do. And then after that, um, there'll be more circuit meets. There's a Diamond League final. At the end of the year, you race for a pot of 50K if you're lucky enough to be in that top yeah. eight. Um, and then the season ends in September and then you yeah. have get drunk. And then you get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Let off out steam, a nice restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. Live life a bit. And then you get back right back in again yeah, and yeah. all over again. So, so. It's all right. Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it works. Um, so for me, this year I'm prioritizing the indoor season yep. to try and work on my start. My start wasn't really good last year, okay. So I really want to work on that first half of the race, um, and just yeah, give myself a good little platform of racing, being sharp, so that when I start the outdoors, I'm not I'm hit. I can hit the ground running. So that's kind of my thinking at the moment. So we're in the hard graft of it, which yeah. is the bit I hate, <laughs> but it's necessary in order a to necessary evil. Exactly, I need it so that I'm strong enough, fit enough to withstand racing you know every week every 10 days and how stressful it is when the season starts mate i'm so happy you said that gold medal sprinter yeah mm -hmm. and you to say no i hate these sessions so yeah. I'm, one of my good girl mates tessa she hates the gym yeah. you know she's like and i she phoned me one day she was like where are you off I said oh gym but i cannot be asked mm. you know what i mean and she was like what you don't like the gym i said babe everyone do you know what i mean yeah i'm yeah. telling you athletes like long. like oj sat opposite me don't like the gym I, mate i get it you've got to go through that hardship mate because the thing is in training it's not about like doing what you already know you have to push it to evolve so nothing can be comfortable in training if it is comfortable then you're not doing yeah, it yeah, right yeah. you're just maintaining you're just maintaining and you plateau which it did happen to me a little bit in some other of my training setups so you have to have the training session has to stress you and unfortunately if it doesn't then it's for nothing so that's why i don't like it i yeah. just like i just like doing speed work <laughs> and racing i'm a racer i like yeah, to yeah. just compete that's what i like but I, as, as, as time's gone on i'm like you know what in order for me to get to that paradise i need to go for a bit of hell here yeah. so i can appreciate it and so i'm ready for it yeah. more importantly you know you say you love racing mm -hmm. do you love the crowd do you love the added competing yeah or you you it's don't so you didn't no. bother you when it was like covid you might have been competing sort of no that was dead that yeah. was dead to be honest that didn't help but that's not my motivator for me it's like that's like an added like piece of artwork and not to disrespect the fans because obviously they are amazing yeah yeah but that's not like that's not what gets me going yeah for me it's more like the the egotistical competitive side of it like yeah you think you're faster than me all right let's let's see it kind of thing and um that was what was kicking me on when I was younger. Obviously, you get older and you're racing like Gatlin and Bolt and this yeah. and yeah, they're kicking your ass. So you don't <laughs> naturally, yeah, don't step to the line of you say Bolt and say, yeah, see what you got, yeah, Bolt. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really work like that. But in essence, that is still how I feel at heart. Like I still get on the start and I'm like, all right, let's put it to the test. Let's see what you've got. And um, that's what's made me want to go harder in training because I know I'm good at that. I'm good at not being scared to to try it and go yeah. and compete. And, and the times where I haven't physically prepared, I've I've had good success in the race field. And um, but there's some people that they, they love training, they love training and breaking it down and overthinking. And, and when I kind of moved into that mentality, like racing, then became like an like an exam for me. Yeah. And I and I would run slow and I'd be like so lethargic because I'm thinking about every movement. And that's not what the hundred meters is. The hundred meters is, is first and foremost a race to get to the finish line first. After that is the preparation of it. But the f it's not preparation and learn to compete. You know, you have to have that first. And then after that, it's about the technique and the conditioning and the mentality. And yeah, then you can f streamline it from there. Mm. But if someone hasn't got that heart of a competitor to begin with, just forget about it. Just You're going to get eaten alive. Yeah, no, nah, mate. You need to be a winner. Yes, yes, Winners never quit, of course. Uh, get that plug in there. <laughs> so, you know, you said you want to focus on the 60 meters. Mm -hmm. 
what about a relay? Is that something that you're looking at for the the next game? Because yeah, 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 yeah. Like relay is always a part of it. Um, I think naturally relay isn't always like a priority for for, for, for a sprinter because it really is a bonus event. That's how it should be. But sometimes, again, I don't blame people. But if you haven't had individual success, it is hard to kind of like. It's hard to still prioritize it when you're not getting anything from it. But if you if you know you can win a gold medal in a relay, it's easier to then actually actually know what I'm training for the relay potentially, right? I don't really knock anyone for that. Um, so yeah, this year, yeah, we'll be at the relay practices um, with the boys, maybe in Loughborough, Lee Valley, wherever they want to do it. And um, yeah, we'll get prepared for the world champs. We've, yeah. got, we, we've got some work to do for sure. So I feel like it'll be good. Will those eight guys break down mm -hmm. into those, that four? Yeah, so it's, do you know what? It's quite political to be honest with you. It's not always the fastest people that run. Okay. Sometimes it might be who's better suited to what leg. Like, say, for example, I could be the fastest, but I can't run a bend, for example. Yeah. So someone else uh, okay. might do the first leg. Not I might not be the one that does it, or et cetera, et cetera. Or it's based on experience. Like, say, for example, someone comes out this year, they run super fast, but never done a relay in their life. They're a li though they're fast, they're a liability for the relay mm. because they have no experience. So, you know, everyone's got mixed reviews on it. Some t like in America, they'll just take the f four fastest guys and you guys figure it out. And yeah. Jamaica is the same thing. And sometimes they have success, sometimes they don't. Yeah. With us, we've got more of like a system in place, which I guess um, gives you su sustained success. Um, but is it maybe challenging a world record? Maybe not. Yeah. But you don't always have to run a world record to win. Yeah. So um, in the ideal world, you want the four fastest people who are the most skilled at taking the baton, um, passing on the baton. And and I think, you know, the day that happens, we're going to do something crazy. Yeah, because we, as Britain and we're obviously good. England, yeah, we're good we seem really. pretty good, mate. Yeah, like, we've got a good setup. Yeah, really and setup. would you say that's because you go into the weeds a bit more rather than... than yeah, America, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, science behind yeah. it. You know, biomechanics around, like, the speed of the baton. And trust me, it's a, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. But, you know, it's, it's, it's paid off because we've literally been getting medals now at every competition since, like, 2017. Whereas yeah. before that, we were known for dropping the baton. There was, yeah, like, yeah. a real bad reputation around the relay but now yeah thankfully like give thanks to, to i guess the, the the coaches they've they've done a good job of um rewriting how we're how we're viewed in that in that space yeah so yeah it's good it's yeah. good mm -hmm. no it's um it's certainly something i'm proud of yeah, yeah, yeah. To you. one thing i do want to speak about it's been in the news recently yeah. with connor ben is adverse finding yeah what's been your experience with like sort of perform enhancing drugs within athletics mm -hmm. and uh, um None. Yeah. No, no, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> None. Bloody good answer, mate. Yeah. None. Um, I actually had a good drug test yeah. the other day, actually. Because um, um, what, what's something I think a lot of people don't understand mm. is, is how, how is it done? How invasive is it? Okay, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a good thing we'll talk about then. Yeah. Um, so, the first Crack drug test. answer, by the way. I love <laughs> No, it's the truth. I've never had any issues. Um, the, first, the first drug test I had was when I was at the World Youth Competition, yeah. right? Remember, I'm 16 and... I never had no experience with this, right? So you go in, you might get someone randomly coming to you, hey, um, you've been you've been uh, nominated for a drug test. You can't say no, because if you do, it's marked as a missed test. And if you get three missed tests, then you get you get suspended for a year or two, whatever. Yeah. So sorry. Um, so yeah. So come over. Yeah, you're allowed to have a chaperone with you. Yeah. So that would have been a Team GB uh, representative. doctor representative. So obviously, make sure you're safe. You're underage and whatnot. Um, you go there, you fill out this form, your date of birth, passport information, da 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 da. What have you consumed in the last seven days? At that time, it might have been I don't know, chicken and chips, who, <laughs> or no, joking, orange squash, like, electrolytes, <laughs> yeah. like whatever, nothing, nothing serious. Yeah. 
Um, and then they say, cool, um, do you feel like you're ready to pee? And they're yeah. like, uh, yeah, okay, go to the toilet. All right, mate, um, pull your trousers down to your ankles and lift your top up yeah. to your chest. So they're seeing your, they're seeing everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, man just standing there, like, just looking at you, just pee. Yeah. So the first time, it was like, I couldn't, like, actually yeah, pee yeah, yeah. because my body kind of went into, like, a bit stage of Stage fright. Yeah, stage fright, yeah. And I was like, this is weird. And then, then I just, I don't know, I think I found a way to obviously do it. And after that, it was okay. And it, it never, it, it, that feeling's always a bit like, I can't believe there's a man just staring at everything that I've got. Um, and then the worst ones are, like, first thing in the morning. So sometimes you might get a 6 a.m. test and, like, yeah. you're really not, you're really not ready to show everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <to show laughs> you're really not ready to show for anyone. Yeah, yeah. If it was a female, like, you're not ready to flip and just do that first week in the morning. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's what, yeah, I just get used to it. To be honest, I'm friends with them now. Like, yeah. I've, some of them have done me for years and I'm like, yeah, you're right, Dad, I will talk about things and whatnot. Yeah. And um, it's kind of just a routine now. Like, my mum's, my mum's like, make sure you update it because they come, like, she's obviously experienced it many times yeah. with me. And I'm used to it now. It, look, it's, it's necessary. It's a compliment. Yeah. If people want to test you, because it means that you're doing something good. Um, if you're not getting tested, they don't care about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of look at it that way. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just about being responsible, I guess. Um, making sure things are informed, sport tested, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, we get trained on this. Like, so it's nothing new. Like, I've been doing this, since, like, I'm getting an education on this since, like, almost 10 years. So you know what you should and shouldn't do. Um, do they, they, so they, they do come around, like, your mum's yeah, yeah, mum yeah, dad's yeah, gaff? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've got to have an app called Adams, where I've got to, like, basically put in where I'm going to be at all times of the day. So where I'm going to wake up, where I'm going to sleep, where am I training? Because they can come to training and test me. Um, so, yeah, say, for example, I say, oh, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to come to yours tonight. We'll chill, whatever. Yeah. I end up falling asleep. I have to update that. Update that, yeah. I have to update that. And if you don't, it's a missed test. Yeah. So it is like, yeah, it is invasive. But it's to ensure that the sport is um, like on a level playing field. Obviously, it never is because people find sophisticated ways to cheat and whatnot. But for me... I kind of came to terms with that a long time ago. Like, there are going to be some people in the starting yeah. line who maybe they're cheating. But that, again, that's what I'm trying to say even earlier. Like, with trying to have external motivate, motiv motivators, like, I can't do that. I don't know what everyone else is doing. I can just focus on what I'm trying to do and, and whatnot. But that's kind of the basics of, of drug testing. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that with us because, yeah. like, obviously we get tested in the army, but it's mm. not like that. Like, yeah. it's just, well, we don't have to take our pants around our ankles, mate. So I'm, I'm assuming up. you do it maybe yourself? Yeah, not, not yourself. So the way it'll work, They'll come in, you get uh, taken to the toilet mm -hmm. by um by like someone like a chaperone yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'll just you'll just pee into the pot and then spin it around. Oh, so they don't have they don't watch you pee? No, like so, right. some depending on who it depending is, but it is. that's only happened to me like so the, twice. the the thing with us is that well they'll literally sport, like they have to look because there's some there's been times where people say he's got his back to and she's got his back to yeah. and they've put different samples yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember there was one example where like there was a guy who um who had obviously done that? He put like a female's um, urine in his sample. Come back, hang on, he's pregnant. Hang, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> hang on, he's a, you're about six months pregnant yeah, based yeah. on this. So yeah, you can't do that. There's obviously, so many people try to work their way around it. So um, yeah, they're literally like, mate, we need to see it come yeah, out. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. I, I get it. I get it. It's just, it's just invasive. No, do you ever hear about Mike Tyson? And uh, no, and so apparently he had like a prosthetic. Yeah, 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 okay. and then just do you know what I mean. So he used. Oh, so he was just like putting. Yeah, oh, just like right. oh, yeah, just squeezing the like the last Jeez. out like it's fully ketchup bottle, man. Mad, yeah, 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 mad. Yeah, people are wild when it comes to this stuff, man. But it, it makes you realize that, again the sport you the sport you're in. Like it's elite. Everyone wants to win, and sometimes yeah. people, yeah, people will substitute 
um, morality for for greed sometimes. Yeah. Like, that does happen. But I didn't realise, so you touched on the Diamond League as well. Like the Diamond League, like 50 bags, mate. That's a mm. lot. Of, like, are you going to be tr- trying to... Yeah, so it's it's quite political. Yeah. So obviously uh, one person wins that. Um, and the way it works is kind of like, to be honest, yes, you need to run fast to yeah. get in. So really to get into the Diamond League these days, like and if you're not trying to be like a last minute replacement the day before, because that's not good anyway, yeah. um, you need to be running sub 10. Yeah. So I'm like knocking on the door, right? Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. need to be running sub 10 to get invited. So they'll usually invite like the top 10 guys or offer it out to the top 15 maybe. Okay. And then it depends on like your agent, if your agent's got a good relationship with the people. So it's Can not I? like... If you're listening. Yeah, it's, <laughs> not, it's not it's not black and white in terms yeah. of just like, oh, you're good, so you come to the race. Like it's yeah. very political. And then you've got to do a lot of them throughout the summer because there's a league. Yeah. And the more points you got, then you get invited to the final, final to then compete for the 50K. And then they've got like a world continental tour which is like a similar workings, but it's just like a level below. And then they'll have, um, they'll have, so that's a gold tour. Then they'll have a silver tour, a bronze tour. So in a in a in an ideal world, everyone of different levels, because not everyone's going to be Olympic champion level, you might be national level and you're trying to break into the international. You should have an opportunity to race. Only issue is, are there enough competitions to allow everyone to, to yeah. race? No, there isn't. And that's why it becomes a cutthroat thing. Yeah. If you're not ranked in that top 50 in the world, you're not yeah. you're not really getting invited to these races. So that's that's where it becomes really, really elitist, to yeah. be honest. Does it, do they care about profile as well? Probably. Probably yeah. to a degree. They won't say it, but they probably do. Yeah. If you've got like, I don't know, half a million followers yeah. and, you're stu- and you're doing good, you know the promotion, the blah blah blah, the marketing. Yeah. Does that add more than someone else has got maybe three k, four k? Yeah, yeah. but it does. Like, but that's faster than you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. Like, pro- like, um, like I remember twenty twenty. Um, there were like brands like so. Our main source of income will usually be the shoe sponsor, like yeah. Nike, Adidas, Puma, blah blah blah. So I'm lucky to be been with Adidas since I was like eighteen, yeah. right? And um, in twenty twenty, there was a lot of cuts. Um, because naturally, yeah. everyone was just getting slashed left, right, and center. And one of the main things we were hearing was, you know, it's not just about your performance on the track. We want to know what are you bringing to the table from a marketing perspective, your brand perspective. A lot of people slept on that. They're kind of like, well, if you're fast, you're fast and that's it. Not in this day and age. Yeah. Like where content and social presence is so important. You know, if you're not visible, you're not doing anything. Yeah. And even from when the brands are saying that, I was like, right. Hey, the game's changing. Yeah, Whereas yeah, before yeah. it was like, nope, you run fast, you get you get taken yeah, care yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Some people are running fast now and they may not even be making more money than someone that is a bit slower but has a bigger brand. Maybe they're getting paid more. So the game is changing in that sense. The game is definitely changing. No, no, mate, mm. I totally understand, mate. I was saying to Kenny then, like raising money. So what I did, you know, it doesn't matter how hard it is, mm. it matters how many people know about it. Yeah, literally. You know, people need to know about it. People give you some know, dough. 100%. Um, so, mate, Great conversation, really appreciate it. And I like to sort of ask for your bit of advice that you give to a young OJ or okay. a young lad trying to get into sprinting. Yeah. You know, wh- what would you tell him now? Now you've lived, not you haven't lived it, mate. No, you've still, still got, still got a few we've got six go. good years, mate. Yeah, I know, I know. Ones, so yeah, what would, you, what would your bit of advice be to a young OJ? Um, do you know what I would say? Um, take one step at a time. Don't get, don't think too far ahead. Um, keep it simple, and keep keep accountable keep accountable and do not make excuses i feel like if i if i'd like um sort of put those things to work i reckon i would have been at a higher level maybe three four years ago i reckon or five years ago yeah. would happen probably sooner but these are 
when a young person achieves something ahead of their time, it's not just because they're so good. They clearly have got attributes that are ahead of their time. And I, I don't think I had all the attributes. I physically, I did, yeah. But mentally, maturity, I didn't have it. So that's what I would try and, like, when I have kids, I'm going to be trying to slowly force feed those things in because that's what's going to help you stick out. That's what I'd say. I really like that, mate. I'm a big believer in taking accountability, mate. Mm. But no, thank you so much, mate. And guys, that is the end of the podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please, could you like, follow, subscribe, as it really helps grow the podcast. Thank you for listening, mate. Nice one, man. You enjoy that, bud. Thank you so much, mate.